Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today, we do celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. Birthday of the church. A little less than 2,000 years ago. But today I want to share with you a thought that I believe God gave me. You say, well, why would you say it was God-given? Because it's too good for me to think of. You know, ignorance is bliss. The most time I'm blissfully happy. But as I was thinking, I, I was directed to a scripture. Just took place a few days or after the day of Pentecost. It's recorded in Acts chapter 5. I've got quite a bit of scripture to read today. Just a few months, weeks after Pentecost, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they were even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats that as Peter came by, that at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of, the, of life, of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple and daybreak and began to teach. In other words, they'd been there all night. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, 
we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Look at verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I don't know if you noticed there, but it mentioned God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three in one, the Trinity that as we know it today. Several months ago, I ran, actually a couple of years ago, I ran across a saying uh, referring to this. It says, the Father gave the executive order. The Son had an exclusive promise through the promise of Christ. And then the Spirit's explosive power. All three of those are mentioned in these couple of verses. And today I'd like to share with you this thought that the Holy Spirit gave to me. And you say, well, this is not a, a Pentecostal message. I hope you'll bear with me. The thought is the great escape. The great escape. Now, how many knows that whenever, and it, it didn't make a big issue of it, but when those uh, soldiers went to get those prisoners out, and they went to open the door, and they said, come on out, they weren't there. They weren't there. And it says they kind of got excited about that. Now, why did they get excited about it? Were they excited because they were gone? They were excited because they were afraid they'd lose their head. I mean, just think about it. They had been left in charge of keeping those men in the prison, and they went to get them, and they went to bring them out, and all of a sudden, they weren't there. They were gone. The great escape. Let's drop down and read a few more verses. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamiel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a while. He said, take these group of guys. I, I want to speak to you privately. Now, what did he tell them? Well, let's drop down to verse 38. Drop down to verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is a man, it will fail. How many thinks that's good advice? If it's man, it's going to fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, you'd have thought they'd have left there pretty well defeated. But notice what it says. Then they left seeing that they were that name. And every day in the temple, from 
from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus. They had a message to tell, and that message was that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had come to this earth, and he'd given his life, and had resurrected from the dead. Now, I don't know if it had been me. I think I'd have had to question something. Hey, hey, God, you let us out of that prison. We made that great escape. Why did we have to get beat? Do y'all think that's it? The reality is the world sometimes, let me rephrase that, sometimes the church is mean. But the world is really mean. And they beat them. But they rejoiced in the fact that they had been able to witness and tell about Jesus. Wow. Now, I told you I was going to preach about the great escape. I want to need to give you a little history lesson. We need to understand that you and I have it better than the disciples did. They didn't have a clue what was going on. You say, well, why would you say we know better? Because how many knows that hindsight's better than foresight? How many of you went through something and said, man, if I know what I know now... I'm sure the disciples would have said the same thing. If I'd have just known what I know now, we'd have done things a little bit differently. Some of them might have said, you know, we might have left Jerusalem with, before the persecution. Yeah. But we have the Bible. We have all that they knew that they've shared with us. We look back. Now let's have a little history lesson. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse, one, uh, verse 6. So when they had come together, this was after the resurrection. And after they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will it you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they asked the question, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who, we, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have saw him go into heaven. In other words, we find that Jesus had another great escape. He left this earth. To go to heaven. He left this earth to go to heaven. He was rescued from this earth. Now let's go over to the book of John. John chapter 16. Verse 4. This was Jesus speaking. This occurred between the upper room and the cross. We don't know if it was in the upper room. We don't know if it was when he was walking Toward Gethsemane. We don't know if it was in Gethsemane. Before they begin to uh, pray. 
But we know that it was after that. He told them the world's going to hate you. But notice what it says in John chapter 16. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I have told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paracletus, the one called alongside the help, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. This is in judgment concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because a ruler of this world. A lot of things I can't tell you now, but the Holy Spirit will be able to share with you because then you will be more on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you and the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm Pentecostal. I love uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love the fruit of the Spirit. I love uh, the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand something. There's a lot of things in the world that the Holy Spirit's been blamed on that he had nothing to do with. The Holy Spirit will always exempt and lift up God. It will always glorify Jesus. It is never done to bring glory to himself. It's to glorify God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he was telling these things. And Jesus said, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to send him to you. He's going to come. And it's good for you that I will leave. Now let's go a little bit further. Let's go to John chapter 17. This was his prayer. This was Jesus praying. Now, why did Jesus make this public? I believe he wanted them to know. He wanted him to hear what his prayer was. He was praying not only for them, but he's praying for you. He was praying for me. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Drop down to verse 10. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Now, who is he talking about they? Talking about you and I. Talking about the disciples. He said, you're left here. We already read that Jesus escaped. How many knows that one of these days we're going to escape? Hallelujah. Huh? The great escape. You're either going to leave here via the grave or via the rapture. I've checked it out. The statistics are still the same. One, never leave here alive. Jesus said, I am no longer in the world. He was getting ready to leave. He was ready to, get ready to take his journey. He was going to leave this earth. But he wasn't going to leave it. And leave you and I comfortless. He said, but they're in the world and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Go to verse 15 and 16. 
where it says, I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What in the world was he saying? He said, folks, you're stuck here for a while. You're stuck here for a while. You say, Pastor, that sounds pretty uh, simplistic. That sounds kind of cruel. No, the reality, he said, I'm going away. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Now, after Jesus' resurrection, he went into the upper room. And for those of us that are Pentecostal, we believe that whenever he spoke to those disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit, that was their born-again experience. You say, well, why would you say that? Because if I understand scriptures correctly, you cannot be born again. You cannot become a Christian unless you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that he did what? He died and he rose again. So it had just happened. He had just resurrected. And he said, now receive you the Holy Spirit. That was their salvation experience. But he said, I want you to stay until you because the Holy Spirit will come upon you to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you in that prison of your body by yourself. I'm going to send the paracletus. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit by yourself. Why did he do that? He said, because you've got a job to do. You've got a ministry to fulfill, and you can't do it by yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need God's help. Now, I don't know if you know it or not. Jesus made the statement. He says, greater things shall you do than I've done. Now, how many knows that Jesus did some pretty good things? He raised people from the dead. He said, well, you can't get better than that. So what was he meaning, greater things? As great as Jesus was, he was fully man as well as fully God. But he could only be at one place at one time. He says, it's better for you that I escape this mess and I send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And one of the traits of being fully God is that you are omni-what-present. That he's everywhere. Now, I love Oxford. I thank God for Oxford. But just think about it. If God could only be at one place this morning, would he be at Oxford? No, he'd be at the villages. Just joking. Or he'd be at Stonecrest. Chances are he would not be where you and I were, right? But he said, I'm going away that I can be with you wherever you are. I can be with you wherever you are so you can fulfill the ministry. See, while we are in this prison called life, how many knows you're stuck with it? Huh? We're, we're, we're stuck with this life. We're here. And we're not going to get out of here alive. We need to understand that. While we're in this prison called life, we will face many challenges. But Jesus said, I'm not leaving you by yourself. How many of you have ever had children? How many of you left two-year-olds by yourself? 
How many knows that wasn't wise? Even if they survived, the house didn't. Jesus said, I'm not leaving you by yourself. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We need His power. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the Paracletus, so that He can be in your cell with you. And He will be with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Again, one of these days we're going to escape this prison we call life. It's either going to be by the death or rapture. Either one will be glorious. So here we, here we are. But we're not here on this world just twiddling our thumbs. We've got something to do. We've got some ministry to do. As the words of Paul that he told Timothy, you need to be fulfilling your ministry. Now, for every one of us, that's different. Every one of us, the, our lives are different. God has a different thing for us. But the amazing thing, every one of us, he says, listen, we need the Holy Spirit to enable you to do what he wants you to do. Some of you don't get it yet. Here we are waiting. How many of you are like me? You see prophecies being Fulfilled right before our very eyes. Any, any, any of you seeing that or is it just me? It seems like the Bible is coming to pass right before our very, very eyes. Now the amazing thing, Ken Ulmer, great preacher, says that the weeding and the watering and the waiting separate the sowing and the reaping. How many knows that to be true? If you plant a garden, you're going to do that. There's going to be a time of waiting that you're going to be doing the weeding, the watering, and the waiting. They separate the sowing and the reaping. But the book of Amos gives an awesome statement. Now, the New Living Testament says it this way. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. Some translations, I believe it's King James, talks about that the, that the machinery is going to catch up with the one that's sowing. The harvest is going to be happening faster than we can get it taken in. I know that you don't hear this on the news. I know you don't hear it and read about it much in America. But I can tell you worldwide, there's a harvest that's going on faster than we can even get it harvested. Our missionaries are giving some awesome, awesome reports of how God is doing some awesome things by the, because the harvest is here. And he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to help you in the harvest. So until our great escape, I said, until our great escape, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to fulfill our ministry. We need that. You say, well, why would you need that? Jesus told the disciples they needed it. And I know you might say, well, Pastor, you don't realize those disciples, they were just unlearned fishermen. They really needed it. But, you know, we're, we're enlightened. We're, we're a lot wiser than they are. We're a lot more highly educated than they are. But none of us walked with Jesus three years. And he said, they need it. What makes you think we don't need it? 
What makes you think we don't need the Holy Spirit? I think Jesus was probably a pretty good mentor. And Jesus told him, said, you need the Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for you that I go away so the Holy Spirit will come. And he also told them, and I know this goes contrary to some people's teaching. He said, but you will go through some tough times. He said, there'll be some times you need the help. But the amazing thing, he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He'll do the heavy lifting. You just do what you can. And I know I thought again, well, maybe, maybe they need the Holy Spirit. But I don't know that I really do. Let's look at something in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Kind of amazing to me. Verse 21 and 22. Luke chapter 3. This was speaking of a man by the name of Jesus. Now when all the people were baptized. And when Jesus also had been baptized. And was praying. The heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And if you drop down to chapter 4 verse 1. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? He was going to go through some rough times. But he had the Holy Spirit with him. Now I'm not a great enough scholar to be able to explain all this to you. There's several people here that's a lot smarter than I am, and I'll give you their names and phone numbers. You can ask them. I don't, I don't understand all this. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But if Jesus needed to be baptized in water and needed to be filled with the Spirit before he began his ministry, what makes you think you and I can do it by ourselves? We need the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's a lot of different uh, thought processes here. There's a lot of you say, well, I'm not a, I, I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's fine. Let me just tell you, you need all of the Holy Spirit you can get. Amen. Whatever the terminology you want to use, we all need his anointing. Because one of these days, we will have our great escape. But until that time, you, you're stuck here. You're stuck here. And we need the indwelling and the filling, filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't say feeling, but filling of the Holy Spirit. For what person, purpose? To show how spiritual we are? No. No. Who can be the greatest? No. The Holy Spirit to enable you to become power, to become witnesses. I believe that's twofold. I believe it's verbally, but also power to live a victorious life. The power to live a life. I mentioned this before. I, I grew up in an orange grove. You literally had to go through an orange grove to get through my house. And it's amazing how when people would come through and see all these beautiful oranges hanging from the trees. 
they would stop so they can pick one of those fruit because it's appealing. Wouldn't it be so great if you and I were so full of the Holy Spirit that somebody say, I don't know what it is, but I want what you got. What you have is appealing. It's appealing to you. One of these days, as I said, we're going to have that great escape. But until then, the disciples needed it. I think you and I might need it. The power to become witnesses. Now today we're partaking of communion. And what is one of the purposes of communion? To celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, he says we, we do that. And it says to remember Christ's death until he comes or until we make our great escape. I want the worship team to come. I want us to sing a simple old chorus that says I want more of his power, more of his glory, more of his spirit. And I'd like for us as we partake of communion today and prepare our hearts to receive communion to just ask the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do. I've already sensed the Holy Spirit in this service. I said, I've already sensed the Holy Spirit. Have you? And I believe God wants to do some things today by His power. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.